Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Well, welcome to episode five, the last of Akafas in July on the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. And y'all, what a journey it has been. We've had technology fails. We've had family weddings and traveling. We've had COVID scares. And now Kim has actual COVID. <laughs> Good Lord. Yes, yes, I do. And that's why I sound like this. I'm I'm rocking the bass here. Oh, yeah. All, All the, the, the bass. bass. <laughs> yeah. No. No trouble. There is no oh. trouble here. <laughs> no alto or soprano either for that matter, but hey. <laughs> but no fear. Today we are still covering chapters 21 through 28 of A Court of Frost and Starlight by Sarah J. Mass. And we're pretty much going to dive right in because, Jesus, we love you all and we love this book, but the end of July is literally around the corner and we swear to God we're going to finish this thing in July if it nearly kills us. It might. I mean, I've got COVID. It really might. It, yeah, I feel it. Um, so that being said, this podcast is not for little ears. And nope. uh, we're going to quickly kind of do our sum up of how we feel about this book here at the top. Because by the time we get to the end, guys, we're just going to be like, kind of done and over it and ready to do songs and shut it all down. So <laughs> yes, please. So basically, Kim and I were talking offline and we've been chatting, obviously, you know, off and on during the weeks when we're recording about the book. And I think the thing about this book is um, I actually have a perfect TikTok for this. And I mention it like I'll mention it at the end of the episode and we'll, you know, put it in the show notes and all of that. But I think the TikTok did a good point of kind of making the joke, which is how I feel about this book, which is a lot of people were like, oh, my God, like, it's not a real book. It's like a novella and it's like short stories. And then it's like in the TikTok, uh, it, it has the person like saying that. And then the next, like the next clip is supposed to be Sarah J. Mass being like, fine, want me to take it back? And everybody's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of how this book hit a lot of people. It's like, it wasn't what they were looking for, but it's what they got, you know? And a lot of people had a lot of feelings about that. But personally, for the most part, I greatly appreciate the character arcs in this book. So do I. I mean, it really gets us from Akawar to Silver Flames. It creates this bridge. It explains some stuff for characters that we right. weren't aware of. It sets things sure. up. <sighs> I don't now, know why people are upset about that. I think people are upset about it kind of for something that like, we'll kind of talk about this later in these chapters as well. Sometimes it's the delivery. I think, I think a lot mm -hmm. of people coming off of Aquabar, like if you're like me and you read them, not when they were released, but you read them like back to back to back to back. This book just feels kind of, like we've joked that like the Christmas special, it is a right. different tone. It is just different. And I think that that shocks people. And then likewise, I think if you were waiting for a book to come out, this just wasn't the book you expected. And so you, you waited, you waited, and then you were a little bit not let down, but like it wasn't what you thought you were getting necessarily. Um, I don't know. I, I was ready for a break. I mean, what I like about it is, is that there is no, hardcore angst drama the world is going to end going on we don't get that very often and so it was right. just you know the last three books it's been like a total right the world is ending the world is ending the world is ending and no this is not chicken little it really is right. and so having this break i think helps 
And, and I do too. And like I said, I actually think that like the kind of Christmas-esque, like the Christmas special feel of it, I, I think it allowed her to do some fun things. Um, mm-hmm. I will admit, um, I think there's probably a bunch of people and I'm sort of one of them. I mean, I enjoy this story. I don't want to give it back. I'm keeping it. Um, but I, there are, I think, some people and I kind of could get into this camp with them uh, who felt like, okay, but it's 200 pages. 100 pages of it is fluff we don't need. We could have taken that out and split the 100 remaining pages pages 50 could have gone to the end of Akawar and 50 could have gone to the start of Silver Flames very possible I mean and, and could go either way I, yeah. I I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent I see I see the value in both so I, yeah exactly so I mean I think it's cute um and then we would miss the cute fluffy stuff and I mean I I personally enjoy some of the cute fluffy stuff Absolutely. but I, I, I guess I'm just trying to say like for the people who were less than thrilled when this book came out I hope that like, I hope now you can appreciate it for what it is. I can understand some of the de- disappointment upon first read. Honestly, it probably wasn't my favorite when the, I first read it. But now reading it, you know, a second time more carefully and really, like, pulling out some of that characterization, I really appreciate what she did for a lot of this. I mean, some of it is whack. I, I Do not get me wrong. There are a few things in here that make me go, but... Well, yeah, but I mean, she did it. <laughs> she did write it and she does say in the acknowledgments and I want to put this out here for people who may right. not know that you know in writing this she found out in the middle of writing it two major things happened to her one her father had a massive heart attack and they weren't right. sure he was going to survive which That's thank more. goodness he did but two she found out she was pregnant with her first child so you know both are pretty major life-changing events both are definitely going to shape how you see things view things write things sure so I think, you know, I think sometimes people forget, they, they expect perfection and they forget to allow for some grace. And we really oh, need sure. to, we need to give her grace. I mean, my God, she's created this amazing world for us. Why are we giving her the grace to have it? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I think it's an interesting piece, like in the puzzle that is the whole Akatar universe. Now I say that with a small caveat of to me it's exciting because I'm excited to see where it goes. Like every step of the way I've been excited to see what's next. I <laughs> the more we dive into Crescent City, the less I have any idea what's in store for wrapping Akatar because I don't fully know how the Crescent City Akatar like universe crossover and like I don't know what that's going to do to the end of the story we expected. Right. No, I agree. And so I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm trying, yeah, I'm like trying to reserve judgment right now because I think, I think in fairness, there is a lot of, I don't want to say like animosity or like, I don't know, it's, they're books. Like this is not, you know, this is not vitriol. There's a lot of vitriol out there. Yeah, but it's like, that's also insane because like, these are books, like this is for yeah. entertainment value. So like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I think there's like an, an acceptable, for most people, obviously some people go far too far in one direction. There's an acceptable amount of like, mm, trepidation might be the word I'm looking for about like mm-hmm. what is to come. Like we're excited, but we're also like, mm, it's been so much time and I have so many feelings about these people and what I thought was going to happen, no matter what she does. It's not going to be what you thought. (laughs) So you're going to have to like live with that. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> and 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 I think that's what happened with this book. And I guess that's why I say this is because I hope that the gut reactions people had about Akafast versus how they feel now, like reading it again, maybe with us or breaking it down with us, like maybe some of those feelings have changed. I hope that will be the case in the future when whatever we get next in the series, like I hope we don't. I don't know, like get so wrapped up in our own heads that we forget to just like enjoy it. And I say that for like the TV show too. I agree. I mean, so. I don't, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I have a couple of ideas where this could be going, but I don't even want to put them out there because they're just ideas. And sure. I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of along for the ride. Exactly. Um, I know you know, after reading this, I, I, and knowing what she did with throwing a glass, I want to see how she ties it all together. Cause apparently she's had this grand plan in her head. Right. And I think, you know, people get all pissy about it, but I think honestly, this is what's going to make her such a great writer is, is that she's been able to do this and she's done it and fooled all of us. Right. 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 Yeah. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, so we just kind of wanted to sum up all of that at the top before we yes. get so into the details of the end. Because guys, this section's like a little weird. The chapters, yeah. there's like a lot of chapters, but they're short and they're snippets. And I kind of joke that they're like, um, like Kim and I were talking about this offline a little bit too. Like, it kind of feels like the end of one of those movies where it's like they're showing you like the Polaroid pictures of like two years later, like how everybody turned out. Um, obviously, there's not that kind of a time gap in these, but they're just very weird snippets that don't seem to necessarily, they matter because they may be setting stuff up, but it's like they're not all made equally, if that makes sense. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Some of these are definitely going somewhere and some of these are like really not. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm with you. It's very weird. And like some of it is like really cheesy, like really wrap up the end of the Hallmark movie cheesy. And uh, I mean, I'm here for it, but I can see why some people would be like. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I'm hoping one of the things that comes out of this is that I think, and I will say, because I remember this came out and everybody was like, okay, okay, okay. They weren't happy, but they weren't pissed off. And then Silver Flames came out and I know a lot of people that were pissed off and hated Silver Flame. Yeah. Hated it. I never hated it. It was not my favorite, um, but Nest is not my favorite. Like, I had lots of issues. But then, you know, I'm thinking back about this, and and, and having done this last reread, I've, I'm still not going to tell you Nest is my favorite. I still feel her character arc needs a little bit more work. But I have changed part of my view on Nesta and changed part of how I feel about her and how you know I, I'm perceiving all of this so right I think we all need to to be willing to come at this with fresh eyes yeah and I, I definitely think there is value in 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 what we do here which is like breaking these things down for the most part like for a multiple read now obviously when we get to Silver Flames I haven't read all of Silver Flames so uh, I already kind of know what's happening so even though it'll only be my first read I already know the entire story thanks to the internet Oh, <laughs> but Crescent City yeah, is the. You haven't, I'm surprised Crescent City hasn't been ruined. I worked very hard to avoid Crescent City spoilers. Um, Silver Flames, I didn't work as hard because I had every intention of reading Silver Flames right up until I was about to start it when we started this podcast, and I decided at the last minute I wasn't going to read it, and I was going to wait to read it 
with you guys. So the problem there was I didn't, I hadn't planned ahead to kind of filter out like my social media for it versus uh, Crescent City. I did a better job of getting in front of that one. Um, (laughs) But anyway, the point is, is I think there's a lot of value in what we're pointing out here, which is we miss stuff the first time too. Or it's easy to read something for what it is the first time the words on the page and go, oh, it's just like short stories about like, we'll start, you know, about the solstice. And like it is, but... And I think it's easy to miss that, but if you're not really like dialed in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, with all of that, uh, Kim, hit us with our uh, Cassian chapter. <laughs> sure. As long as I don't hack up a lung, I'm fine. And if I do, you guys, I'm so sorry. Kelsey will take over till I can talk to you. <laughs> exactly. We've got a plan, y'all. It's okay. It's okay. I really do sound worse than I feel now. So I want you all to know that. <laughs> Anybody who knows me, I'm putting this caveat out there really fast. Anyone who has known me for any length of time knows I can lose my voice at the drop of a hat. I get upper respiratory infections and bronchitis all the time, and I will lose my voice. And I'll be feeling fine. I sound horrible. I feel fine. I don't totally feel fine, but I feel a whole lot better than I sound. So just just know that I'm, I'm really, I'm not like on death doorstop here, guys. No worries. So chapter 21 is, is is Cassian, and it's right after Nesta has left the solstice party, right. and he has stormed out after her by literally picking Feyre up and moving her out of the No thought. Like, he's just so angry. He's just, he's acting. He's not thinking. Yeah. Okay. Good boy. I, I get you. But it starts off, and I love how he kind of describes it, because this is where he is mentally and emotionally in dealing with Nesta, is enough of the coldness, the sharpness, enough of the sword-straight spine and razor-sharp stare that had only honed itself these months. It was only when Cassian reached her that he realized he had nothing to say, nothing to say that wouldn't make her laugh in his face. And so he's like, I'll walk you home. I know. I love the idea that he like stormed out of here, like ready to like tell her off and then was like, yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Big Bernie man. And just suddenly was like, "Ah." yeah, it cracks me up. Again, this is why I see Jason Momoa in this role. Um, Yeah. He can do that. that. Like he just, he he can get that kind of weird puppy dog face going. I love it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, She's like, I'm fine. I don't need escort. And he's like, too bad. I'm walking with you anyway. And as they're walking, he's thinking along in his head. And he's like, you know, she'd made it clear enough in those initial days after the battle that she wanted nothing to do with him, with any of them. He understood. He really did. It had taken him months, years after his first battles to readjust, to cope. Hell, he was still reeling from what had happened in that final battle with Highburn, too. So I think it's important that, you know, we, we underestimate Cassie and everybody thinks of Cassie yeah. as kind of like the general, the fun loving guy, the, the party boy, right? Yeah. He's a lot more insightful than I think a lot of people want to give him credit for. And oh, definitely. This oh, is definitely. really showing that like he, he gets where she's coming from. He understands why she's pushing everyone away. Well, I think that's an interesting thing too, that we like forgot to take in like when Aquawar ended or even the beginning of this, when we're just like, she won't talk to any of us. She doesn't want to be a part of the family, blah, blah, blah. We kind of forgot that, like, I hate to say it this way, because, like, I know is like, just now, like, newly fae and whatever, but it's, like, all, like, this entire group of people 
like war and fighting has kind of been their way of being for a very very long time this for most of them none of this was their first rodeo to some at least to some extent for pharaoh she had you know up until akatar she had hunted at least and then we have the end of akatar which is like its own fucking disaster then we have everything in akamath all the way up to the highburn thing versus for like nesta highburn was the first and only time she's really had to deal with any of this how is she going to talk to them? Because all of them, they yes, they have their trauma, they have their reactions, whatever, they have to like deal with what they saw. But for the most part, because they were either bred this way, or they trained this way, or at least, you know, had some experience with this, walked away from the highburn thing, kind of able to be like, well, that sucked. But anyway, what's for dinner? And Nesta's like, are you all insane? Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see the same thing I saw? And it's that they did, but they've had other experiences to build off of, and she hasn't. So how is she going to talk to any of them, even if she wanted to? She doesn't want to, and that's part of the problem. But even if she wanted to, what the hell would they say? Because they are so different. Like, they're in such a different place than her. Well, not only are they all in different places, but, I mean, everybody responds to trauma and PTSD differently. And this is how Nesta is responding. I'm not saying it's right wrong yeah, healthy right. I mean, we all know it's not healthy yeah but i mean for god's sakes give give somebody a bit of a break i mean i think i think you know and i understand that that reese is all pissy with her because of what she did to to Farrah as a child and i admit though and i think Farrah's right when she said you can't blame one without blaming the other and i do blame both <laughs> sisters sure but so, also, I think we also, because he's dead, write off her dad and don't give him nearly enough blame. Yeah, dad, dad totally dropped the ball. in the room. <laughs> the adult in the room totally dropped the ball. He, <laughs> Jesus he Christ. Up. Like I said, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's a whole different ball game, but yeah. <laughs> no, and it is. And I think, you know, I mean, there's just, there's so many things people kind of forget. It's like, you know, you sweep it under this big umbrella here or this big umbrella there. Yeah. But well, and I think it's interesting because in fairness, we get like we have to give Cassian credit where credit's due, which is he sees this. But we have to admit that like obviously Silver Flames will be its own thing. But like we have to admit that he sees it and yet still doesn't approach it in necessarily an A plus manner here. Well, just because he sees it doesn't always mean that he has the tact needed <laughs> yes, to um, exactly. <laughs> approach things in, in the best possible way. Yeah, I mean, let's, yeah. let's face it, when emotions are involved, do any of us always have the best tact? Right. Sometimes it's easier to see it from a 20, yeah, 20, 20, like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty kind of view. Yeah. I mean, I kind of lost my temper last week with one of the kids at camp. <laughs> Granted, it was Wednesday and I wasn't feeling good and didn't realize it, but it had been a very trying day. <laughs> this yeah. child just, yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't like horrible, but I definitely I, yeah, spoke in a way that exactly. was inappropriate. Yeah. So, I get, I get it. Like, looking back, I'm like, oh, God, I really fucked that up. I yeah. Well. So, Cassian will probably feel the same when he gets home later. Like <laughs> <laughs> mouth disease, people. We all have it at times. Um, Anyway, they're walking, and she stops finally, and she's like, what do you want? Right. And he's like, just, just, you know, I will. I'm going to take you home, right? And then she notices he has a gift in his hand, and she's yeah. like, what, what is that? And he's like, it, it's your solstice gift. And she's like, but I didn't want one. She's all pissy about it. Yeah. And Cassian's like, you'll want this one. And then, as he says, he prayed she would. It had taken him months to find it. 
He hadn't wanted to give it to her in front of the others, hadn't even known she'd be there. He'd been well aware of both Elaine and Feyre's cajoling, just as he'd been well aware of the money he'd seen Feyre give to Nesta moments before she left. As promised, his high lady said. He wished she hadn't, wished for a lot of things. Nesta fell into step beside him, huffing as she kept up with his long strides. I don't want anything from you. So, I mean, he's struggling because whatever this is, is something he really wants to give to her that, that yeah. for whatever it is, um, he's, he's really trying to focus on the here and the now and not on things that have been said in the past, because prior to the end of the battle, there right. were a lot of things said and unsaid. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he is trying, um, he hadn't seen that person in months. So he acknowledges that this is definitely not an ideal situation. Sure. Um, they keep walking and finally she's like, you know, what, just leave me alone. Go away. And he is like, he tells her, he goes, I'm tired of playing these bullshit games. And she's like, well, I'm not. And he goes, well, everyone else is. Perhaps you can find it in yourself to try a little harder this year. And this is kind of, to me, like where he fucked up. Yeah. So honestly, nobody else could have even said this to her. So let's be really honest. Yeah, but I just think that like this is kind of to me a moment where you have to wonder if it's like if this hadn't if the conversation hadn't gone this way in a way would he have made more strides in the right direction just like basically walking in silence with her home and her not actually kicking him to the curb probably because he's not bothering her versus well how this goes <laughs> I mean they're, they're, again hindsight is twenty twenty, but you know I also see the value in what he's trying to tell her too because sure. it sets sure. things up let's be honest oh, it's going to sure. set things up for, yeah. for silver flames oh, so sure. you know and she's like why should I have to try to do anything I was dragged into this world of yours, this court. And he's like, well, then go somewhere else. And she's like, well, perhaps I will. And he's like, look, you could at least come live at the house. And she's like, stop. Stop following me. Stop trying to haul me into your happy little circle. Stop doing all of it. At which point, Cassian acknowledges he know he knows a wounded animal when he sees one knew the teeth they could bear, the viciousness they displayed, but it couldn't keep him from saying, your sisters love you. I can't for the life of me understand why, but they do. If you can't be bothered to try for my happy little circle's sake, then at least try for them. This is where he fucked up. Uh, Yeah, like if the other part wasn't it, then this definitely was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, because she just kind of shuts down at that and he she's like go home cassian which she never calls him by his name right. she's always you that one or you know some other derogatory yeah. thing um and she turns away and he's like talk to me tell me what's going on and she only stared at him her nose crinkling snorted and walks away as if he were nothing as if he weren't worth her time or the effort a low-born illyrian bastard and this time when she continues, Cassian doesn't follow. He watched her until she was a shadow against the darkness. Then she vanishes completely. 
at which point he's so pissed off he takes the gift, which she never took from him, and throws it into the Sidra, cracking a hole in the ice, which immediately seals back up because it's so cold. So we never find out what's in this box. I was going to no. say, we don't, it never comes up in Silver Flames, like in <sighs> hindsight, nothing, we never find out. We find out something, because he ends up giving her something, he talks about it, but he gives her something similar, but it's, to my knowledge, not the, not same. the same thing. Okay, so, well, I don't know. guys, I have a job for you, and that is to uh, send me your best fan theories on what the fuck's in the box. <laughs> and I don't think it's the obvious what everyone thinks it is. Send me, send me your, okay, send me your fan theories on what's in the box, send me your fan fictions on what's in the box. I will be shocked if from this somebody doesn't send me a YouTube video of dick in a box. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I just realized I just set myself up for that one, so don't send me that. Anyway. Yeah, um, no dick please. <laughs> <laughs> we both have husbands if we need those. Thanks. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so anyway, he... It the you get a bit of a break, a snowflake, and then it switches to Nesta's point of view, which is actually kind of cool because we've never had anything. Uh, yeah, ever. and this this actually made me really excited for Silver Flames. I'm really sad yeah. that there were other people who read this chapter and then were like, "Ew, a Nesta book." I finished this chapter and was like, "Yes, a Nesta book." <laughs> I think you know, I I want to see stories from both sisters' point of views because fair, honestly, fair. I think there's a lot going on that people don't. Yeah. appreciate and or acknowledge about either of them i think so too but anyway yeah um anyway so nesta is in our apartment she has sealed the fourth and final lock on her door so i mean this should tell you she's definitely not living in the best neighborhood but she's bothering um, them but she does bother to lock them i mean i have so, to give her so, yeah to some extent she is like aware of her situation she is yeah um and then she says, silence settled in around her, welcome and smothering. Silence to soothe to trembling that had chased her across the city. Now she knows that Cassian followed her home. He flew up in the air above her. And now he's sitting on the roof of a building across the street. And he's waiting for her to turn on the lights in her apartment. Um, the Fae lights. And he know, she knows if, if she doesn't at some point, he is going to either bust down the door or have Reese show up. It's going to be one or the other. Right. Neither option or one she really wants. Send me that um, fanfic too, because yeah. I think there has to be one. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I think there has to be one, mostly because in my brain, I immediately went to, you're right, what would he have done? Would he have knocked down the door to check on her? Because that would have been like his instinct as probably her mate. Or would he have done the thing that he thought was the quote unquote right thing to do, which is basically have her brother-in-law come check on her. <laughs> You know, and I don't know the answer to that <laughs> simply because... And then what would the words be? You know what I mean? If Reese had to come check on her because Cassian asked him to, like, what does that conversation look like? I'm just saying, I, I ain't got the time to write a fan fiction right now, so if somebody else take what I just said, go write one, send it to me, I'll give you all the credit. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> there you go. Um, so anyway, she's she's she does turn on the light to make him go away. And, you know, in... She's lingering by the table near her front door, and her hand slides into her pocket to pull out the banknote that Farah gave her. And it was enough for three months' rent. Dude, that's mm -hmm. a lot of fucking money. Anyway, <laughs> I know. As Nesta says, she tried and failed to muster the shame, but nothing came. Nothing at all. There was anger occasionally, sharp, hot anger that sliced her. 
She hadn't felt anything in months. She had days when she didn't really know where she was or what she'd done. They'd passed swiftly and yet dripped by. So did the months. She'd blinked and winter had fallen, blinked, and her body had turned too thin, as hollow as she felt. So let's just say that she's definitely not in a good mental place at all. And I think, I really think that, you know, everybody's just not giving her that kind of consideration. And I, I, I have a problem with that. I mean, that's a general right. rule. We all gave favor the consideration. Why can't we give it to right. Nesta? Right. I think that's what's interesting is actually Nesta's reaction is very much similar to how Feyre reacted mm. in Aftermath. Feyre just did it with a little less biting so people are get away with it. Right. Um. Anyway, so she's acknowledging that the chill is creeping in, but she will not light a fire in the fireplace. Yeah. Why? Because she could barely stand to hear the crack and pop of the wood. She had barely been able to endure it in Feyre's townhouse. Snap. Crunch. How no one ever remarked that it sounded like breaking bones, like a snapping neck. She had no idea. Yeah. She had only kept warm with blankets and layers. So let's think about this. She saw her father's head. She saw her brother die. She saw the King Hybern snap her father's neck. What yeah. she's saying is, is that the sound of a fire literally reminds her of that moment. Yeah. So she, she hears it over and over. And you've got to think too, she probably, because we know that Cassian was like, basically like on the death's door at this moment too. And we basically got him ripped apart piece by piece as well. Right. So, you know, she's like, she's got Faye hearing too. You know, she heard every snap, every like gurgle and splurt of blood coming from him too. Like that is just... Right. Like the, like the amount said, of like it's breaking bones. Yeah. Like the amount of trauma that Reese and Feyre have watching each other die essentially. Okay. But now Nesta is living that with Cassian and her father, but she can't even talk about it. Right. Reese and Feyre have each other to talk about it with. Nesta's right. not there. She can't. So that's a lot. It is a lot. Um, and as she says, the silence rages and echoes around her, and she still felt nothing. And that is the end of the chapter. Mm. But it sets us up so well for Silver Flames. It really does. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, chapter 22. Chapter 22, okay, it has like a really important thing I want to get to, but it also has like some really like whack shit that we're going to talk about first so that we can get our giggles out of the way. Okay, so chapter mm. 22. Mm, Cassian comes home all broody and he like goes to bed and more follows him to cheer him up. I don't know. I don't even want to know what that conversation was like. Don't send me that fanfic. Um, <laughs> I don't want that one. Uh, that relationship I don't get. Anyway, um, as and Elaine are equally as awkward and I don't want that fanfic either because <laughs> apparently Elaine is just like explaining her garden plans to Azrael, who probably has no idea what the hell she's talking about but is just nodding like, mm-hmm. Like, what? <laughs> Again, so uncomfortable. Um, but Reese and Feyre are going to slip upstairs and go to their room, except then they don't because they're Faye. They can do whatever they want and they can winnow. So woo, winnow, click. Uh, we're over to the cabin because why have sex in your own room when you can have it in a cabin? Why not? <laughs> uh, also, less people. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, I can't blame them. I mean, it's not very fun to have sex in a house full of people. 
Yeah, I can see that. mm, Yep, mm -hmm, I can see that. On the other hand, I, you know, they also are the same people who had sex in like a tent, like 10 feet from dying people. So, I mean, whatever, it's fine. (laughs) Anyway. Ambient noise? I don't know. I don't know. That aside, they go to the cabin and it is kind of sweet because, well, okay, this is weird. This is funny. Uh, This is funny, weird, sweet all rolled into one um you look beautiful tonight and she's like you say that every night and he's like i mean it and then she calls him a cad and i'm like what the fuck is <laughs> and it's like right up there with uh you got some balls Farah, or whatever he says back in book one well, and it's like what what not well look at it this way we're we're now in a regency romance yeah cad really anyway whatever so weird so fucking uncomfortable but it's fine um but then it leads into a cute conversation that I really, really like, which is she says, I know high ladies are probably supposed to wear a new dress every day, but I'm rather attached to this one. Because remember, she's wearing her Starfall dress for like the third time. And he, you know, he says he's glad. She goes, you know, oh, well, you never told me where you got it. Like, we got all of my favorite dresses. And then it's interesting. I don't know how they haven't had this conversation yet, but fine, whatever. I'm glad I'm here to hear it. Um, <laughs> So I'm glad they didn't have it on a random Tuesday that didn't make it into the book. Um, <laughs> Reese says, you never figured it out. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. What? I mean, she, girl was never good at riddles. Um, and he says, my mother made them. Uh, and he explains that she was a seamstress and that, you know, after she mated and married his father, she didn't stop being a seamstress. Uh, and when he was a little boy, she began uh, creating all the dresses for his future wife. And he says, every piece, every piece I have ever given you to wear, she made them for you. And she's like, well, why didn't you ever say anything? And he says, I thought you might be disturbed to wear gowns made by a female who had died centuries ago. And then they have a cute little moment where she's, you know, she's like, oh, like that's like, I love that. And he says, she would have loved you. And she says down the bond back to him, I would have loved her. Well, and what hurts me about this is to realize that that means even the night court, blah, 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 the night court clothes she was wearing back yeah. and forth between the night court and the spring court, the ones that Tamlin destroyed. Yeah. His mom made. That hurts. I'm sorry. Well, and then the other thing, too, that's interesting about that is it kind of goes back to like him sending her to the Weaver's Cottage to get her eventual, uh, you know, engagement ring. It's that despite what we learn from him back in Akamath, like chapter 54, where he says, you know, that he wasn't going to try to pressure her when he realized they were mates. He wasn't going to say anything. He wasn't going to even really pursue her really with any kind of intention because he didn't think she would like reciprocate. She didn't, he didn't even know if he wanted her to because he like, he didn't think he was worth it and blah, 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 blah. On some level, he betrayed even his own thought process and logic there by allowing her to wear these clothes absolutely and you know and i jewels. just yeah i just think it's really really interesting um and i think it's really interesting too to think that on some level probably the inner circle knew the whole time like at least more had to know more had to know that when she every time she saw Feyre wearing something she had to know where it came from 
you know, I don't know. I would think I so, bet you I she know. did. Like, I just bet you that she did. Even if Reese never said anything, they're just, you know, so old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I just think it would be interesting. Like that, that aspect of it has to be, you know, in there too. I don't know. I just really like it. I think it's cute. I do. Um, now we do a weird thing. I mean, it's cute, I guess, but it's like a weird sidebar. Feyre says, oh, I've been thinking. And he says, should I be worried? And it's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she said, that's what my husband tells me because I know I can smell the smoke. I know. I yeah, that's basically how I feel about favors thinking sometimes. Um, but she's been thinking about the tattoos, uh, particularly like that big cat eye, like on her hand, on her palm, and she says, like, I want these changed because like you don't need to use that to like snoop on me anymore. And he's like, I never snooped, and she's like, Yeah, you did, but like also it kind of saved my life, so whatever. And they were like, Okay, yeah, fair. And she's like, I want these changed. I want it changed to a mountain with three stars, the same that you have on your knees. And he says, those are markings that can never be altered. And she says, it's a good thing. I plan to be here for a while then, which is like cute. But also I don't fully feel that this gets explained super well as to like, I don't know, the depth that it should be. It's just kind of like a half, like haphazard. Like, I think I want these changed. I want to change to match you. Okay, let's do it. Cool beans. Like, I don't I don't really know why it goes that way because it immediately right turns into a whole new conversation because right before he goes to change them he says any last words before I mark you forever and she says I have one last solstice gift for you and he's like oh and she lets him into her mind and he like you know digs around in there learns some stuff and the conversation we get is he all of a sudden you know looks a little worse for wear uh a little slapped in the face uh with shock there and says you're sure and she says in her mind she says yes more than anything i'd realized it felt it in the weaver's gallery and he's like we can wait she says i don't want to he says it could take years she says i can be patient well i could try to be patient feel you there Farah. i am also not a patient human um and so what we're actually talking about is they're gonna have a little fae baby which I try to anyway yeah if we hadn't like figured that out by this point then like we really were not reading for for content um <laughs> uh i'm going to come back to this point in a minute because i think it's incredibly important but first we're going to go through the silly way that this got uh explained to us because it just makes me laugh and i think we should do the lols about the sex before we have the deep conversation and get the giggles out of the way because immediately we go into that trope of like oh well if we're gonna have to start trying should we start right now yes we should like why does every sitcom make that joke but anyway yeah okay they're i gonna, don't know we're gonna have sex now guys and i am not gonna read to you like the four this is a longer spicy scene by the way it's it's a good couple of pages and like have at it enjoy get your fill but i just have a few things i want to point out that make me so uncomfortable <laughs> okay because first of all we do this new thing like okay you know how sometimes when you read a spicy book uh you're like oh he put his leg where she did what with her leg how what are the physics of this how could we there's a chair involved like your brain can't like compute and you're like sitting there reading your book like flailing around a little bit trying to figure out the physics okay well good luck with this one please figure out these physics uh somehow down their little brain shared mind palace uh she is now watching him 
have sex with her through his eyes, and I'm sorry, but that is my worst nightmare. <laughs> I don't want to look at me. Like, Jesus Christ, that is worse than, like, having a mirror involved. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't... Ugh, ugh, this is my worst nightmare. Anyway, like, that's what you're into good for you i mean i guess maybe if you're like really good looking maybe you feel differently oh uh, god you know Pearson and sydney crawford's of the world go for it yeah i don't know man i just <laughs> anyway so that's my worst nightmare but anyway we do that for a little while and then if you didn't think that was already weird enough now in their little special shared mind palace we're gonna have sex in there what how does that even work while you're having sex in there and out here i I don't know. I'm so uncomfortable, so I'm just gonna read it to you. <laughs> and then yeah, there was us mind to mind laying out on that bridge between our souls. We had no bodies here. That seems like a problem. <laughs> we had no bodies here, but I felt him as he seduced me, his dark power wrapping around mine, licking at my flames, sucking on my ice, scraping claws against my own. Ugh. Ew. Anyway, <laughs> I felt him as his power blended with mine, ebbing and flowing in and out until my magic lashed out, latching onto him, both of us raging and burning together. That, friends, just sounds like a migraine. Anyway, uh, if that's what you're into, please enjoy. I did not. And... Uh... <laughs> So yeah, the goal of this whole thing was back to when they had said the whole thing about like wanting to like have sex against the wall and like break the, like knock the frames off. Anyway, they do. Mm -hmm. They not only knock the frames off, they literally like bust on the ground and so does the face. It seems very destructive, but it's fine. And... <laughs> have destructive sex. Why not? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so anyway, then they like do it again, like immediately. Great. Mm -hmm. We don't really get to read much about that one, though. And we just get this little snippet at the end, which is, and even when we eventually collapsed on the rug, barely avoiding the broken pictures and vase shards, unable to move for a good long while, that image of my gift remained between us, shimmering as bright as any star, that beautiful blue-eyed, dark-haired boy that the bone carver had once shown me. That promise of the future. All right, that's yeah. sweet. Yeah, so that's sweet, uh, but it's also a lot and kind of giggle-worthy and a really weird way to deliver the information that they're going to, like, mm -hmm. start a family and that that's where their characters are at. <laughs> yeah. So all of that to get to my point that I, like, have been kind of harping at, like, in the other episodes getting up to here, which is I do agree that the way we get that information is a little whack like this chapter mm -hmm. like being in the middle of some smut weird choice i'm not gonna lie to you kind of a weird choice <laughs> but i have a bone to pick mostly with the readers and the fandoms like who have this whole thing about how like how dare she do this to fair's character now fair's character is going to be so boring she's going to be a mom like what a weird fucking message to take away from this, okay? Like, there are literally people out there who are upset about Favor's character arc because they cannot believe that they're just gonna, like, she's only 21, she's so young. Okay, well, how many of us have ever gone to, like, war, like, twice? None of us, probably, okay? So, age, irrelevant. She's also Faye, so it's all pretty much irrelevant now. So, uh, that doesn't mean jack-all. 
And then a lot of people are like, oh, but her character's going to be so boring because like she was like so kick-ass and she was like going to do so many things and blah, blah, blah. And now she's like, they're just going to like settle down and have a family. That's so boring. And I'm like, wow, way to make your messaging about a character, a character who is like imaginary, by the way, like a woman that does not exist, but exists on a page and can do anything. I mean, bitch can like sprout wings randomly and put them back. Okay. Like, like we can. She could be a mom and do anything. Like she could, she could turn into a fire breathing dragon. Like that's how books work. So the idea that she's gonna be boring now because she wants to be a mom is so fucking weird to me. But more importantly, it's really annoying to me that people took away from this book, ew, she's gonna be a mom. Because guess what? You probably have friends in your real life who are or want to be moms, and what a weird societal thing to say to women. They're just a mom. How are you just a mom? Mm, I don't know. Like, I... I haven't figured that out. This was just such a weird thing for me reading it the first time because I was reading this book and then I had just recently joined like all the little like fandom groups like on Facebook and things and all of a sudden to see all these people tearing Feyre apart for wanting a family, for wanting to settle down, for like not wanting to go to war for the third time in her life, you know what I mean? And wanting something else to enjoy her painting, enjoy time with her husband, like build a home together, have kids, like all of a sudden people were tearing these characters apart for this. And I was like, wow, this is really offensive to somebody who's reading this book while pregnant. Like, I'm so glad to know people think that my worth is tied to not having children. That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Because you can say you only feel that way about a character, but there's a good chance you feel that way in real life, too, whether you mean to or not. Absolutely. And so, uh, like, not to get, like, soapboxy. And I'm sure there are a ton of people who just don't love to read about it because they're like, well, I already have kids. Or, like, I'm already a mom. I want to read about something else. Like, I get it. That's fine. You're probably not what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Or some people who, like, really wanted a lot more Sailor Reese content and now realizes that this is probably kind of their fairy tale happy ever after. And now they're going to become the side character so that other characters can step forward and tell their stories. Like, I can see being, like, a little disappointed. Like, but I love them. I want more of them. And, like, I get that as well again i'm not talking to you and then there are some people that this probably never crossed their mind they never read anything in any of the fan groups and they're like what the hell is she talking about true and that is also fine also not talking to you and even if you've said some of these things i'm probably not talking to you i'm not somebody who's like really trying to go out there and like antagonize anybody i'm just saying that i think we all need to be careful about this idea that if we like we cannot stop and think that like oh well once you become a mom you're nothing Because how degrading is that to women? And like, how can you say that you love these female kick-ass characters if you can't love a female kick-ass character who also has children? Like, that is insane. I'm with you. Also, where do you think other kick-ass women come from? Work. (laughs) Yeah, like, they don't grow in the cabbage patch. So... I realize that's like a really long tangent that probably like nine out of 10 people listening are like, what the hell is she talking about? Like, this is a problem that actually occurred. Like, yes, it did. The fandoms can be a scary fucking place, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and you know, it, 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 it goes back to the whole, you know, I have friends who have made the decision to never have children. Rock on. That's awesome. Right. I think I, I support it. But at the same time, then don't knock any of us who do. Right. Um, you know, it's, I'm, it takes all of us and, you know, right. not everyone should be parents. Not everybody wants to be a parent. I, I support that. 
Right. Um, you know, it's not, it's not for everyone. And I will tell you, being a parent is not for the faint of heart. Right. That's for damn sure. Um, I mean, I have no regrets. However, it's definitely not the easiest thing I've ever done. And I, you know, I, I get upset at people who kind of look at me and go, oh, well, you're a mom. Or you can't do anything because you're a mom. Or my personal favorite has been, oh, well, how come you never do anything with us anymore? Well, um, I am a mom. And right. a lot of my time is spent doing X, Y, and Z because I am a mom. It's not that I don't want to do these other things. It's about priorities. Well, right. And then the other thing, too, that's insane is the idea that your entire identity ceases to exist because now everything you were up until that point is null and void because now you're a mom. No, I got a newsflash for you. I am a mom, but I am also a podcast host. I also have a job. I also have a degree and I'm contemplating a second degree. I also like am working on like writing some things. I am also working on like creating some things like this is insane to think that the only thing I am all day, every day of my life is a mom. Exactly. I am a mom and. The idea that there is no and is insane to me. And the idea that, like, I just, I guess the reason I found like found the whole thing so irritating was because I can almost understand, like, what you said, which is, like, there are some people who, in their experience, when their friend becomes a mom, they don't really feel like they have their friend anymore. And that sucks. And I get that. And that is something, like, you and that person need to work through. But then the idea that a fictional character in a fantasy novel where there are no rules can't continue to be kick-ass because they have a kid? What? That literally makes no sense. I agree. I I agree. I mean... Like you, I'm a mom. I I have a job. I I'm a podcast host with you. Right. <laughs> I, I you know funny how that works. You know, I mean, it, we're both creators. We both make things and do things and and you yeah. know embrace that and and share that with everybody that we want to and can. Right. And to think that all the stuff that I I did up to the point of getting married and becoming a mom and though everything I've done since is just reduced down to, uh, well, now you're a mom. Right. I, I take umbrage with, I really do. And like I said, I don't think nine out of 10 people meant for it to come off that way. And I also don't think that like nine out of 10 people even thought that when reading this, I just, the, the there was enough out on the internet of that being part of the reviews, particularly it was the reviews that offended me was the people yeah. who gave it two star reviews, not because they disliked the writing, not because they didn't like how it like went from point of view to point of view, not because they were like disappointed in the storyline, but simply that they were just you, I can't believe another character is just going to be reduced to becoming a mom because the only happy ending is becoming a mom. I'm sorry. I actually can't name another book that I have ever read where that is the happy ending. Exactly. I actually can't. They acted like this was such a trope, but the only one I can think of that's vain, like vaguely in this like same genre is sort of the end of Hunger Games, except for in that one is the opposite problem, which is she didn't even want to. She just did because that was the best next step for survival. Yeah. That's not even remotely what is happening here. So, like, I just thought it was a weird thing. Or, like, I guess maybe they're relating it to, like, the Twilight story. But, Jesus Christ, the Twilight story is already its own throw-up, like, nonsense. Like, if you enjoy that, great. But if you enjoy that, then go enjoy that. That's not what's happening here. And even so, like, I don't know. I just, it, to me, that does not, like, a trope make. 
I don't know. I, I just think it's a whole, a whole thing we as like a society of readers should probably do better. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, when you look at it, I don't know. I mean, I, sorry, I'm really struggling with how to say this. I think, you know, people do put the wrong set of expectations on it. And I don't think people are looking at it from the most logical standpoint. Sure. Well, because the logical standpoint would also be, of course, a large number of stories that are around women at some point that woman gives birth. Because statistically speaking, most women on this planet do have children. It is not the other way around. Very true. So statistically speaking, most women will experience that at some point in their life, whether or not they choose to keep that kid or not, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, whether that's in a family by accident planned IVF, like, yeah, I understand that there's a lot more layers to it in real life than there is in a book, but statistically speaking, more women will have children or have had children than haven't or will not. So, of course, they're going to relate to these characters. Like, I don't know. I just think it's weird, the idea that there's a bunch of women out there who have kids who don't want to read a book about a woman who also had kids. I don't, I don't know. I just, very weird to me. Well, specifically a fantasy book. Right. Specifically a fantasy book, yes. And maybe, and I just, I just had this thought occur to me. Maybe the people that are out there are the ones that are the, who, who we're talking about. The ones that are just like, I can't believe she's becoming a mom. Maybe those are the people out there that have made the conscious decision to never become parents but in doing so they are now projecting that on what they feel should be appropriate for fantasy characters. yeah i have no idea i truly don't and i can't even begin to go down the rabbit hole of like why people say what they say on the internet so there's that so anyway the point is to just yeah the point is we are okay with the storyline personally we're excited to see where these stories go from here i think that that is interesting character growth i think that is an interesting character arc and i do think it's appropriate for their character i do think it's appropriate that she didn't think she wanted children until she actually had time to sit down in her life and realize that she is safe she is okay and they have the space to do so well, no, and I agree. I'm not. I'm not defending. Like I said, that oh, thought sure. just popped into my head listening yeah, to you, sure. and I was like, I wonder if that's where it's coming from. Well, like, and, I don't know. And I do think too, it's interesting because I think a lot of people also just get caught up on the idea of like, well, but she didn't want kids like ten minutes ago, right? I understand that, but that was ten minutes ago. That was before she and Reese like were like had a minute to like just be married and kind of be like oh yeah this is our house this is our family this is Valaris this is ours you know what I mean like yeah I wouldn't want to have kids in the middle of Highburn either but like after Highburn situation and a few months have passed and you've thought about it I just I think back to what my dad always said which is if you wait until you're ready to have kids you'll never have them bingo and so I think Feyre has decided that that is how she feels about it too, which is six months ago, she didn't want kids because she didn't know what her life was going to be like, but they did survive. They almost didn't. And after hearing the story of that Weaver woman and how she lost her husband thinking she had a thousand more years with him, Feyre's realizing she doesn't know if she or Reese could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow's (laughs) never guaranteed. Right. So I think I can see where she has decided that there's never going to be a convenient time to have kids. There's just going to be the decision that they want them or they don't. And the decision is that they do want them. Exactly. And now we will see what it takes. 
So I don't know. I just, I'm okay with it. I'm here for the story. And I just wanted to have a rant about that because I've been thinking about it for literally like a year since I read it the first time. <laughs> this is very true. And actually, I mean, I, I'm with you, Kelsey. Like, I, I totally agree with you. I yeah. just, I don't have the energy right now to get all wound up about it. Somebody <laughs> need to do okay. it for me. I will whine um, for both of us. <laughs> please, somebody needs to. I because I, I do feel the. I feel exactly what you're feeling, and yes. I'm just as upset and frustrated. I just don't have also the energy has to. to do you it. also no. have to breathe, so I understand. Yeah, breathe, breathing's kind of important right now, and uh, you know. So, so anyway, I'm, ta- I'm taking my victories where I can get them. I feel that. I feel that. So anyway, we get a snowflake. So, so yep, chapter twenty-two was interesting yeah yeah and it's like not even over that's the thing it's literally just a snowflake (laughs) so we get a snowflake and reese is uh reese and pharaoh return uh from the cabin and everybody's like still asleep and he's like taking them back to valaris but not to the townhouse um he points out that she never asked about her solstice present because he gave her birthday presents, but she didn't get any solstice presents from him. Anyway, uh, she's like, I just kind of assumed you were going to do something fancy dancy with a weird, like crazy dramatic reveal. Like, am I wrong? <laughs> and he's like, no, pretty much that's what we're doing now. And so he points out, they're like standing there on the street and he's like, look at this pile of rubble that used to be in the state. Consider it your solstice and birthday present all wrapped up into one. And she's just like, blink, 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 blink. And he's like, it's yours, ours. I purchased it on Solstice Eve. Workers are coming in two days to begin clearing the rubble and knocking down the rest of the house. And all of a sudden her brain is like putting it all together. And she's like, you bought me an estate? And he's like, well, technically it'll be our estate, but the house is yours. Build it the way to your heart's content. Everything you want, everything you need, build it. And she's kind of back to blink, 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 blink. <laughs> um, basically what happened was, remember when he and Moore were taking a walk and they were talking about like all this crappy land that you know, yep. had been totally destroyed and these families probably weren't coming back and yada yada. And then remember how yep. we kept talking about how crowded the house was and how and nobody likes the house of wind. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the solution, friends. He's decided that she that he and Feyre are going to build a new house for their new family. Um Yeah. Anyway, it's cute. He says, so build a house for us, Feyre. Dream as wildly as you want. It's yours. And she tries to be like, what? No, like, that's too complicated. It's too much. It's whatever. And he's like, no, like, it's what we need. You can have everything you want in it. Build, And then he starts listing all the things. And I think it's really cute. He's like, build a house with a painting studio. Build a house with an office for you and one for me. Build a house with a bathtub big enough for two and for wings. Build a house with rooms for all of our family. Build a house with a garden for Elaine, a training ring for the Illyrian babies, a library for Amran, and an amor- enormous dressing room for more. Build a house with a nursery, Pharaoh. Which I think Aww. is so cute. Uh, and so, you know, kiss, kiss, and she promises, like, she'll get started on it, which I thought was really cute. And then that's the end of the chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's funny. 
So yeah, chapter 23 is from Rhysand's point of view. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it starts off and all, all Rhysand basically says about um, <clears throat> their activities of the evening before that it utterly ruined him. But it it finds Reese at at um Tamlin's estate. Yeah, like of all reactions to have, that that was that was that was the one he went with. <laughs> like okay, I'm confused, but okay. Um, you know, so yeah, so anyway, he's at he's at Tamlin's. And he's knocking on the door, and he's waiting, and waiting, and waiting. Like, there's nobody coming, no sound, no nothing. So then he's like, all right, maybe I need to, let's make sure he's A, in the house, and B, if he is, is he alive? Right. So he, right. he sends out some magic to go go do that. He finds him alive. In the kitchens. So he walks right on in. Heads down to the kitchens. And then it says. I wasn't entirely prepared for what I saw. A great elk. Lay dead on the long work table. In the center of the dark space. An arrow through its throat. Illuminated by the watery light. Leaking through the small windows. Blood. Pooled on the gray stone floor. Its drip the only sound. The only sound is Tamlin sat in a chair before it, staring at the felled beast. And Reese is like, your dinner is leaking, and apparently Tamlin does I love that dinner. that's what he goes with. <laughs> like, there's a little part of his brain that's like, say something, say something, say anything, and that's what he came up with. <laughs> So he's standing there and he no no response from from uh, Tamlin and he's like I spoke to Varian the Prince of Adriata I requested that he asked Tarquin to dispatch soldiers to your border I'd done it last night pulling Varian aside during dinner he'd readily agreed swearing it would be done they will arrive in a few days no reply and so Reese is like is that acceptable to you Slowly, Tamlin lifts his head, and I mean, Reese is noticing his unkempt state to the point where it's like his unbound golden hair is dull and matted. And he looks directly at Reese and he's like, Do you think she will ever forgive me? The question was a rasp, as if he had been screaming. And he thinks to himself, He knows who, who he's talking about, Vera, of course. He's like, he thinks to himself, you know, forgiveness could be a gift to both, but what he'd done. And then he asks him, do you want her to? Tamlin's green eyes are empty, and he says, do I deserve it? And Reese's instinct is to say, no, never. He didn't say anything. And he says, Tamlin must have read it on my face because he asked, do you forgive me for your mother and sister? I don't ever recall hearing an apology. As if an apology would ever make it right. 
as if an apology would ever cover the loss that still ate at me, the hole that remained where their bright, lovely lives had once glowed. I don't think one will make a difference anyway, Tamlin said, staring at the filled oak, for either of you. Broken. Utterly broken. So Reese is like, okay, fine. He cleans the beast with his magic and he starts cooking it. And he's like, eat Tamlin. It's not forgiveness. It's not kindness. It is solstice or had been. And perhaps because favor had given me a gift greater than any I could dream of, I said, you can waste away and die after we've sorted out this new world of ours. And he's frying up some elk steaks for Tamlin. (laughs) And he's like, eat Tamlin. And then he vanishes on a dark wind. Okay. If it happened... Yeah. If it hadn't been for this chapter, I would have thought my long-winded rant about how Tamlin isn't necessarily the the redemption arc we asked for. (laughs) But it's probably the one we're going to get. Um, this chapter like hits you over the head with it. I think, I think there's definitely more to Tamlin's story that obviously we don't know yet because otherwise we would not be getting so much. I don't think. Right. Because I do think in, in now I could be wrong. She could never go back to this. What do I know? But I don't think it stands to reason that we need this much Reese Tamlin content just to say, look, Reese is a nice guy who isn't killing Tamlin. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I agree. Um, and I think particularly just that part where he's like, "Do you think she'll? Do you think she will forgive me?" Absolutely. And and just yeah, like, do you forgive me for you know your mother and sister? And it's like, n- like, no, I don't think she'll forgive you, and no, I don't think I will either. But it's it's a point being made that like it's even crossed his mind because if he was literally the villain that we've made him out to be, then he wouldn't care. I agree. I mean, I don't. I don't think that. I mean. You and I've talked about this. I don't think that Tamlin is the villain, like right, not like everybody right. thinks he is. And this does really lend you to the to the redemption arc. It yeah. also sets you up because I'm not gonna lie, in Silver Flames, you find out that he's more beast than male at this point. And this kind of sets you up for that. Which goes back to what we said, which is maybe the Beauty and the Beast story never happened, and we're still waiting for it. <laughs> I agree. Well, I, I, agree. I did see something the other day that was like, I'll be damned if our girl Elaine, who we are slowly coming to love, decides to go after Tamlin. Like, stop it. Be with my good boy, Lucian. <laughs> Lucian deserves some happiness. And I was like, I don't know who wrote this, but whoever wrote it is a genius, and I agree with you. <laughs> Just because I want more Tamlin story does not mean I want it to be with Elaine. <laughs> Honestly, I don't either. I don't think that a a story with Elaine would be an appropriate. (laughs) I don't think that's an appropriate resolution. Yeah, I could be wrong, but yeah, yeah, I agree. 
Um, chap okay, now if you thought that chapter 23, okay, guys, we're just gonna be honest. Um, the end of this book feels a little bit like the end of those movies where it's like, it like you think it's over and it goes black for a second and then it comes back up and it's like, Tanya went to college and Teresa started a business and Felipe decided to adopt a dog. Like the end of this book is a little bit like that where it's like, we're just getting these weird little snippets that like, I guess they're going somewhere, but I don't know. They feel pretty random to me. Like we had solstice. We kind of could have just ended with that. We could have figured out a way to just like end there, like with the information we needed instead of just like a bunch of weird side information that's okay, <laughs> but doesn't seem to lead anywhere. Um, yeah. Uh, so like, if you feel like the information we got about Tamlin just kind of hangs there and you're like, interesting, don't know what to do with that, yeah. boy, it's chapter 24 going to knock you on your face. <laughs> Ta-da! The chapter that makes you go, I what? I was felt. I gotta be honest. I felt like I accidentally picked up a different book. <laughs> like, it does feel that way. Feel, Twenty four literally feels like I opened my Kindle app and I opened the wrong fucking book. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it's so bizarro. Like so, yeah. so, 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 so bizarro. Anyway, fill us in best you can. If it doesn't make sense, it's not Kim's fault. It literally doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's a random here. Let me just throw this chapter in. But yeah, yeah, it's strange. Anyway, so the chapter is from Morgan's point of view, which I would be excited about. It's more. I like more. She's not my favorite character, but I do like her. I enjoy her. Um, It's just this chapter really kind of doesn't give you a whole lot of anything. It's kind of yeah. frustrating. Uh, Morgan, it opens by saying she had lied to Feyre. She was going to the Winter Court to visit with Vivian and Cleus, but um, just not as soon as Feyre and Reese thought she was. Um, apparently she has a secret, super secret, double, double secret, super double secret <laughs> manner that nobody else in the Inner Circle knows about in what? the Night Court territory. What? What purpose could that possibly serve? A love nest? I don't know. I, right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, nothing about this makes any sense. I do not understand. You are telling me that your cousin is the fucking high lord and he doesn't know you own this? He knows you own this. He fucking knows. Yeah. He also better. probably fucking knows that you're gay, but whatever. <laughs> I, I hope he does. I'm a little worried if he doesn't. Um... Anyway, so yeah, so we we have that, and then um, we she she's out on a horse that she has on this property. I'm sorry. Yeah. And she's riding her horse, and she's just she's random. She's like you know her her private estate it's called Athelwood. She bought it, you know, 300 years ago for the I'm quiet. Sorry, I'm laughing because Athelwood. I didn't think anything of it when I read it the first time. I was just like, Athelwood. Mm -hmm. But then you said it out loud and all I could think of was that, what is it, maid of honor or something? The one that's the guy who's the bridesmaid and it's in Scotland and the grandma is like, I hope when you get married, you'll carry on our family name, 
asshole. <laughs> He's like, what? what it's a-t-h-o-l-e and she he's like i'm not she's like looking at him and she's like i am not naming our son asshole <laughs> so i could think when you said apple and i was like wow that looks better written out than it sounds when you use your mouth <laughs> that's okay it makes me think of hunt apple r so you know i don't know if that's any better <laughs> Um, anyway, she's out and it, apparently this, this manor had come with six horses, uh, previous owner having grown bored with them, but they were all rare and coveted breeds. Now, I just want to put this out here for anybody who listens, who's read throne of glass. I want to know, are any of these the Styrian? And if so, <laughs> let's have a conversation because <laughs> I'm always like, Hmm, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And, um, anyway, she, she does say that, you know, she likes to come out here. It's kind of nice for her to get out and get away, but she did not like being alone for long periods of time. Uh, but a few days here and there were necessary vital for her soul. And then she's thinking about what Reese has asked of her about going over to the continent and play spy and cajole and diplomat and the whole bit. And she's just, you know, she's out there doing her thing. And all of a sudden her horse goes totally still and is kind of freaking out like there's somebody or something out there. And Moore can't sense anything. But then she sees this thing between a snarl of thorns, a patch of darkness. It did not move. It did not seem to do anything but linger and watch. Familiar and yet foreign. Something in her power whispered not to touch it, not to go near it, even from this distance, and more obeyed. And so she turns the horse, and they go back to her her manor house, and that's quite literally the chapter. It's okay. bizarre. Now, Kim, what do you think the weird thing in the bushes is? Because when you said it, I was like, yeah, was I not supposed to know that? I'm confused. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's Briaxis, but who, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's Briaxis. To the point that if you had asked me before we did the reread, I would have just told you that this chapter was about her seeing Briaxis in like the bushes. <laughs> I've been like, oh, my bad. That's not what it's about. Oopsie poopsie. Um, but yeah, so that's a weird chapter because I just don't really see on any planet how like this is going to come back. Like barring a whole more book where she goes to her own house. I don't see how this information is ever going to come back. Right. No, I agree, but... Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. We're pushing to the end, guys. Uh, these last few chapters are pretty quick. So, we're at chapter 25, Favor's Perspective. This is now a couple days later, and she's standing in the abandoned studio. And she's realizing that the windows that were boarded up and all cobwebby and gross are, like, clean and open. And when she, like, steps in, uh, Racina's there, and she's like, happy solstice, my lady. And she's like, uh-huh. Uh, so, it's mine. And she's like, is it now? Like, she definitely knew. And she's like, yeah. Like, I went to talk to Polina's family about buying it, and they just gave it to me. And Racina's like, well, yeah, like, I kind of thought that might be a thing. And she's like, but I tried to buy it. 
I offered them money. Like it is like inconceivable that like to her that somebody would just like give her this studio, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, like that sounds like her family. And she's like, we find out from Favor's perspective that like she hasn't even gone and like told Reese yet. She didn't know what to do. She didn't even mm-hmm. go home. She just like came straight here. And she's saying that um, they suggested that instead, like the money she would have used to buy um, the studio space from them, they suggested that she donate it to the Brush and Chisel, which is basically an organization in Valaris for artists who are like struggling to make ends meet while they make their art, which I thought Mm -hmm. was cool. And also like wild to me that in Valaris that we have that problem but it's fine I guess we had to make sure that we had real problems in Valaris after seeing the shithole that is the spring court <laughs> well not that the human city is any better yeah fair so anyway so she's just now dumbfounded standing in what is now her new studio <laughs> and Rosina's like so what you gonna do with the place and she hears in her head the surreal's voice telling her, Feyre Archeron, a request, leave this world a better place than how you found it. And oh. so she thinks about it for a second and then she turns and she says, you wouldn't be looking for a wholly inexperienced business partner, would you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to which I say, good luck, my girl. <laughs> I, mm, mm. As somebody right. exiting their 20s, your early 20s are wild. It's, yep, this is a great time to go be wholly unexperienced in a business. Do it. Why not? You got millions behind you. <laughs> it's fine. That money doesn't matter. It's not like it's going to be an issue. <laughs> exactly. It's fine. You go do you, sweetie. Um, but no, it's actually really cute. I think that's awesome. Um, and chapter 26 is from Reese's perspective. We're back at you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these chapters, these last couple chapters are really fast. Like I said, they feel like that weird end of a movie where they're just like, like you know, you see like the weird little like uh, dissolve into a, um, a Polaroid picture with some text underneath. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so, so Reese doesn't know that Feyre bought a bought a studio or got a studio, studio. gifted a studio. He's gifted a studio. <laughs> um, Reese is up at Windhaven with Azrael and Cassian. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're standing outside the training rings. They do acknowledge that there are six girls in the training ring. Um. We're not going to tell you that Devlin is making it fun or exciting for them, and they're certainly not looking like they're enjoying it, but hey, that's okay. There are six We're not of saying them. it's a perfect time. <laughs> there are six of them. Um, as they say, you know, expect as expected, the storm that had blown through finished yesterday, two days after solstice. Uh, and as promised, Devlin had the girls in the ring. The youngest was 12, the oldest was 16. So, I mean, that's a good age yeah. under the circumstances to get them started. So I'm, I'm, I mean, it makes me feel better. And Azrael's all kind of grumpy because he's like, I thought there were going to be more. And Cassian's like, well, some left with their families for the solstice to go visit other family, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then Reese acknowledges that we'd shown him the lists that as it compiled of the possible troublemakers in these camps, Cassian had been distant ever since. More malcontents than we'd expected. A good number of them from the Ironcrest camp, notorious rival of this clan, 
where Callan, son of its lord, was taking pains to stir up as much dissent as possible, all directed toward Cassian and myself. And he goes, a ballsy move considering Callan was still a warrior novice and not even due to take the right until this spring or the next. So I'm like, dude, you're kind of stupid. You're going to go after the two of them? Okay, I said for like two books, the idea that anybody is going to go after the High Lord, oh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase, the most powerful High Lord is just fucking ballsy as hell. Like, you just crazy. You just crazy. Well, not only that, but he can mist their ass. So That's what go I'm saying. He can mist you before you even make it over to him. What is the point of this? Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, he continues, he's talking to Cassie and he goes, despite the grumblings in the camps, you know, this is a good sign to see the girls in the training ring. And Azrael is nodding. And Cassie finally says, it will be a good sign when there are 20 girls out there and they've shown up for a month straight. And Reese is just like, small steps small steps and then he goes for all of us our world might very well depend on it and that's the end of the chapter i think that's a i I like that though i like the idea that like as and cassian like want to see more change faster because they've been like dying to try to get this to happen forever you know what i mean so like i understand their desire to make it happen but i also understand that reese is trying to be like look patience like we're 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 good it sets up silver flames. It sets oh, up something yeah. else in silver flames. So I'm just oh, like, bring it. Let's go. Yeah. So chapter 27. We're back with Feyre. Uh, about a month has passed. And we are at the studio. And it's her and Resina. And, and they're, they're, they've got everything ready. And they're like, any minute now. Any minute now. And you're like, any minute for what? <laughs> like, why are they so excited? I don't know. But I'm excited. <laughs> And uh, briefly, we get a uh, description of, like, the space. And she says, um, from the front space, uh, they kept it empty. Like, they decorated the back where they're going to keep all their stuff, but the front that they're going to use is, like, a public studio. Um, They kept empty, save for the tapestry I'd hung on one wall, the black of the void mesmerizing. And a reminder, as much of a reminder as the impossible iridescence of hope glittering throughout. To work through loss, no matter how overwhelming, to create. And I love that. I know. I love that. I, I mean, it's so. I think it's so sweet. And then she's like, "Will they come?" And she's, you know, they're going back and forth. Will they come? I don't know. They said they would. Like, you know, uh, they're just like nervous, standing outside the front door, waiting for people to show up. And you don't know exactly what's going on until she explains. In the month that we've been working together, she'd become a good friend, uh, a dear friend. She's talking about uh, Racina, and she's saying that she invited. Uh, through some families that she knew some children to come to the studio. We hadn't advertised broadly. Um, They were children in the city who might need a place to express the horrors that had happened during the war. If there were children who might not be able to talk about what they'd endured, but could perhaps paint paint or draw or sculpt it, perhaps they wouldn't do any of those things, but the act of creating something 
it could be a balm to them as it was for me, is what Faye was thinking. She's explaining that they basically opened up their studio, like she had said she wanted to do, you know, invite people who needed that, like, space to create and to heal. But specifically, they're doing it right now for kids. And apparently, once word had gotten out, inquiries were, like, pouring in, and parents were asking, you know, uh, how soon do the classes start? How much does it cost? And they point, they tell them nothing. Uh, it's for it's free. No child or family would ever pay for a class here or the supplies. Aww. So yeah, and eventually the kids do start trickling in. So that's the end of twenty seven. Twenty eight picks up at the end of art class, so to speak. <laughs> um. Reese has come to catch the end of class, and it says he was waiting for me an hour and a half later. As the last of the children flitted out, some laughing, some still solemn and hollow-eyed, he'd held the door open for them and their families. They all gawked, bowing their heads, and Reese offered them a wide, easy smile in return, which I just highlighted because I thought it was really cute. The idea that, like, this is what he, like, this is what he's been waiting for. Like, finally, like, the breath after the craziness. First it was Amarantha, then it was Highburn. Like, now he finally gets to go back to being, like, the High Lord he wanted to be. Absolutely. I think it's awesome. It makes yeah. me happy. And so he comes in and he's looking around the studio and he's looking around at the stuff that the kids painted and Feyre's like showing some of it off and he's like, oh, like the kids don't take it home with them. She's like, oh, well, we're going to wait until they dry to like send them home. Um, and she did point out, you know, like as they're looking at some of the paintings, um, which they didn't give prompts for. They just kind of let the kids do what they needed to do. And she, she said, uh, We'll let them dry first. And, uh, you know, except for this one, the, you know, child had said they wanted to throw it out, but I want to keep it. Um, and yeah, Reese is looking at her like, what? And he says, she says, yeah, I want to keep it to put it in my future office so we don't forget because it is a detailed painting of the attack on like the rainbow. And so she's like, I don't want to forget that, which I think is like kind of, I don't know. I think, like, in a way, kind of weird art for your office, but also because of exactly who they are, it actually does make sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. So I thought that was, like, kind of a sweet moment, though. Um, So anyway, they're just, like, looking around all, you know, all the paintings and chatting a little bit about, you know, like, the kids, like, one of the kids, like, had, like, thrown paint, and it was, like, a whole thing. They'd be, like, a paint bubble, and it popped, and it went everywhere, and, you know, he's kind of joking around, like, oh, man, like, good luck for his parents, you know, like, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's coming back next week. Oh, good luck for you! Like, you know what I mean? Kind of typical teacher, (laughs) teacher fun times. Uh, If you know any teachers, they, I'm sure, have lovely stories. My sister, who teaches first grade, sure as hell does. (laughs) Considering I'm a summer camp director, I have some really interesting stories now. Hmm. Yeah, so Feyre now uh, joins those ranks and gets to share about that as a uh, previous uh, tour guide and camp counselor. I feel that. Uh But anyway, um, she and Reese leave and they're, you know, walking hand in hand to go home and they kind of are talking and she says, it's strange. And he's like, what is? And she's like this feeling, this excitement to wake up every day to see you and to work and to just be here. And I think that that's a lot because remember where she was back in Akamath. Absolutely. When she like couldn't even imagine what the hell she was supposed to be doing with her day to day. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. In less than a year. 
yeah. in less than a year. But that also shows like how important it is to be around the right people and have like the right support and like, well, but then also in fairness, some of it is also time. I mean, yeah, like the hell that was Highburn just happened, but the initial trials, like a year does make a difference. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So I just think that that was like kind of a cute moment and also just like points out like how, like, I guess just how, like how far she has come. Cause I think going back to what we were saying about how people were like, Oh, it's too fast. Like, why would they want to have a family now? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, honestly, like eh, if they weren't doing as well as they were, I'd probably agree with you. But that's the point of like this conversation is to be like, look, they have like purpose. They have drive. They have open communication. That is what it is that they're in a good place. Good Lord. There are some people who could go 40 years and not have those things in place to have children. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. 100%. So it's like good for them. <laughs> Um, but it is an interesting way to kind of wrap things up. She says, um, sorry, I haven't highlighted, but then my highlights disappeared. That's the downside to technology, friends. Okay, there it is. (laughs) Uh, she says, I know there's much to do. I know there are things we'll have to face a few sooner than later. I know there's the Illyrians and the human queens and the humans themselves and all of it, despite them. And she's just she doesn't even finish what she's saying because she's just realizing like she's just like smiling she's like this is it like we're we're basically what i just said which is like we're here we're doing it we are okay right yeah and she says what she does say down the bond is you make me so very happy my life is happy and i will never stop being grateful that you are in it which i think is really cute um and then like i said it's like before like you're crying i'm crying we're all crying reese is literally in the street crying okay because <laughs> he is comfortable in his masculinity anyway yes, yes, he, God bless him. he says i will never stop being grateful to have you in my life either favor darling and no matter what lies ahead we will face it together enjoy every moment of it together um caveat we know because you guys have that stupid dumbass bond where you like can't can't die um well you can but only together which that's a different bone to pick for a different day i'm just gonna deal with the cute part right now don't don't pick that bone right now please yeah well hey she's the one who did it she's like around the top of the arm inked with the tattoo we both bore the promise between us to never part not until the end and even after that, yep, mm-hmm, I know you went for cute, but nope, you just skipped right past cute, right? Like, you just jumped the shark. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> We're going to go back and think about how it was cute that Reese was crying and he used the favorite darling, which we haven't heard in a while. So um, we're going to focus on that and not the dumb little tattoo bit. Um, <laughs> and... to bite him in the ass yeah 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 what a you know i mean in fairness i guess somebody had to be a dumbass at some point right like we can't let them all be smart all the time somebody had to like not think through the consequences right like that was bound to happen eventually i agree it's a real shame it happened with this dumbass tattoo but anyway like i said ignoring that um we end on an adorable and cheesy note uh (laughs) they kiss down the bond to the stars who listen, Feyre, to the dreams that are answered, Reese, the end. <laughs> Which is cute and cheesy and cute and still kind of cheesy. I don't know. I stand by. We could have 
ended like a couple like we could have rearranged these chapters a little bit and ended a couple of chapters ago with like Feyre getting the studio and just being really excited to move on from there. I mean, this other stuff was cute, but it felt very like hallmarky and contrived and forced and whatever. Um, but in fairness, that's kind of how we ended up with Aquafast in July, a la Hallmark. Yeah. So it's fine. It, it all works out. It it's works. cute. It is what it is. It is. It, it totally is. I'm sorry if I haven't been as enthusiastic as I normally would be. Um, I'm trying really hard not to do anything that'll make me cough. <laughs> It's fine, Kim. We're just glad you're here. <laughs> we're I don't want anyone to think it. I'm like bored with what's going on. I'm really not. You guys don't understand. It is like taking everything I have to not cough half the time. And poor Kelsey Absolutely. sees me like muting myself so I can like cough for Back a few away minutes, in a so. No, no worries. But also there isn't a lot to say. Like we said that when we got on, we were like, actually the biggest, neediest chunk was everything we did for the last episode. That's where like a lot of like things to consider happened versus yeah. like, yeah, we had kind of our feelings about like recent favorite deciding to start a family, but out and, and I love the Nesta Cassian chapter, but outside of that, it was mostly just like cute snippets. Like, and then they decide they're going to build a house and then she gets the studio and then she opens the studio. Like, well, the two, right, so the two chapters that that really set you up for 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 Silver Flames sure. is the Nestacastian, and then the Resand one at Tamlin's. Yeah. Well, all right, three chapters: uh, Nestacastian, Resand at Tamlin's, and Resand up at Windhaven after sure. Solstice with, with the Bat Boys. Sure. It, those are the three big move it forward. Chapters. Yeah, and obviously the other chapters previous to those like kind of had to be there to get us there. Um, I just I I laugh because this book does kind of fall into the when I say it, I think I'm I think it's funny. When other people say it, it's because they're mad. So I mean it in the funny way. I feel like this book falls into the this meeting could have been an email category. <laughs> like I'm not mad about it. Uh, nine times out of ten, when I go to a meeting, there's like snacks, so I don't care. I'll have a meeting instead of an email any day. But <laughs> especially if there's snacks, right? Especially if there's snacks. Um... <laughs> so, like, I don't mind that we have this book. I think this book is cute. I like it. I think it does a lot of things. But I, there is a small argument to be made that, like, what we said earlier is true. Probably a hundred pages of this could have been gone. It would have been the cute one hundred, though, so that would have been unfortunate. And then the fifty pages or the hundred pages that were left could have been split into basically two fifty-page chunks and split between Akawar and uh, Silver Flames. But then you'd miss all the cute, funny bits, and we wouldn't be able to all be grossed out by them having sex in their brains. Yeah. Like, Thanks. we wouldn't miss that, guys. We wouldn't have been able to bond over that. <laughs> Joy. Um, on that note, I'm going to dive right into the two TikToks I have, uh, because I'm afraid I'm going to forget. <laughs> um well, one of them basically is what I said, which is this book, uh, this meeting could have been an email. Uh, it's a joke kind of on that about this book. Uh, and I saved it to the end because uh, everybody can have their opinions on how they feel about this book. And this is one of them. And it cracks me up. She's, she was so funny about it. And, and I told her we had to share it. And she was like, oh, my God, please do. Uh, she's Alina under dash Harper 67. We'll put it in the show notes. 
it's hilarious. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, and then our good friend, uh, Jude Greenbrier, I think I did share hers the other day, but we'll make sure that it made it into uh, the show notes. And she's got about when uh, Nesta leaves uh, Solstice, which is hilarious. Uh, and then the last one I have uh, is lovely on the inside, and it is a drink recipe specifically for a drink she created uh, for Akafas. <laughs> I love it. So I thought that was super cool. I was like, oh my God, Akafas themed drink. Uh, we need it. We need it. So yeah. go check that out. Go check that out. Uh, they'll yeah. all be in the show notes. So it'll be good times. <laughs> Yay. And then Kim has the rest of the songs for the Akafast playlist. <laughs> I do, and I'll be honest, y'all, I'm going to try and barrel through these as fast as I can because my voice is starting to go. Um, the first <laughs> Kelsey's laughing me is probably it was very true. Guys, very like true. I said, it's been a month. <laughs> tell you what, and I want y'all, I got, I got this from, from, not from, even though I got it at work, not from one of my campers. No, no, no. I got it from somebody in the office. It wasn't that great. Adult man, they're the worst. <laughs> doctor? What do you mean I have to go to a doctor? I don't need to go to no doctor. So, yeah. Anyway. I don't know if that's really his attitude, but, you know, it's a guy thing. And I'm just being funny and obnoxious. Because I have to laugh. <laughs> because honestly, you have to laugh or she'll cry. <laughs> laugh or cry at this point, though. I can't really complain. I made it two years. and. I've been fully vaccinated and boosted. I, I guess I can't really complain. You know? Yeah, you're like, I did the best I could, man. I made it almost, well, I made it two years since the pandemic began. I was just kind of hoping to at least get through the summer, but, you know. <laughs> oh, well. You almost made it. It's almost August. Almost. <laughs> you made it through the first half. <laughs> almost. Anyway, the songs are... Uh, first one is Scars by Papa Roach. It's Nesta and Cassian as Nesta is leaving the celebration. Song two is Armor by Landon Austin. And it's Cassian and how Nesta makes him feel specifically. Uh, song three is Dancing Flames by Manaheim Steamroller. And I'm evil because I picked it because part of the reason why I like it is because you actually hear flames. And I say this with quotes around it. Uh, burning in the background <laughs> and it's for nesta in her apartment when we find out that she can't stand this yeah. fire and all i thought it was kind of a oddly appropriate choice i approve song four is let it all go by ward Rhodes and birdie and it's recent favorite in the cabin song five is here with me Susie sue and robot coke k-o-c-h it's favorite and Reese in the cabin. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um, song six is All the King's Horses by Kamina. And it's Tamlin at the manor, but it's how Reese sees him when he's there. Right. Um, song seven is Walking the Wire by Imagine Dragons. It's Feyre talking about the gallery, how she bought it. Well, she didn't buy it. It was gifted to her. Sure. Uh, song... Eight is Best Years by Five Seconds of Summer. It's more at her manor house. And song nine is Find Peace by Osadia, O-S-A-T-I-A. And it's more at her manor house. Um, song 10 is Give Em Hell, Everybody Loves an Outlaw um, by Everybody Loves an Outlaw. And it's the Bat Boys at Windhaven seeing the girls training. 
and talking about the jackass right December. um song 11 is this is me by kiela key kiela settle i can't talk guys from the greatest showman soundtrack yeah and it, they were getting the the gallery ready and just before all the kids come and then song 12 is I See the Light from the Tangled soundtrack. And it's Feyre actually after the gallery opens with Christina. That's Tangled it. is my favorite Disney movie, guys. <laughs> uh, did you? I think I've told this stupid factoid before. Did you know that Flynn Rider's character uh, was created based off of Disney basically doing a poll of its female creators about like what makes the perfect leading man? And they came no. up with Flynn Rider. Yeah. I like it. Or Eugene. <laughs> As he's called by his family. <laughs> Eugene. Anyway, uh, that's a fun fact. Uh, so, you know, him and Reese basically uh, just created out of uh, female brains for females. I get it. I got it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I like it. There's a reason real men don't match up to that expectation and it's because it came from female brains and you'll notice that male mm. brains different <laughs> oh anyway uh we hope you enjoyed uh Akafas in july sprinkled through the month at random uh as technology allowed <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that is the universe telling me to shut the hell up. So on that note, I'm going to go through our social media thingies with the two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's name. You can find us all over the internet. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I don't get smited off the internet. Uh, website equals massivefansbookclub.com. Facebook is Massive Fans Book Club and podcast. Twitter is Massive Podcast. Instagram is Massive Fans Podcast. Pinterest is Massive Fans and TikTok is Massive Fan Pod. And uh, you can always reach us on all the thingies. We want to know all of your thoughts. Mostly we want to yes. know what the fuck Cassian had in that box for Nesta. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm yeah, curious. So if anybody got any insight on that. I love it. I love it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. And don't forget, everybody, that in August, we go back to Crescent City. Crescent we will be City! Up. Yeah, we're going to take about up. a week to uh, get get back into things. So looking for that the second week of August. Yes, we will be picking that up uh, at part three. And we at that time, we'll also announce our Akafas in July giveaway winner. Yes, we will. So, Okie dokie. All the fun things. Okay, bye! Bye!